everybody. I am super excited to be bringing you this interview today. Um, it's a body of work that I've admired for a couple of decades now. And honestly, I didn't think I could get to the author to do the interviews, but I did. I'm talking about Robert Lee Camp, who is the author of Destiny Cards and Love Cards. And this is an ancient, ancient system of forecasting, foretelling what your days behind and ahead will lay out for you in terms of the energetic imprint that it's truly, truly profound based on astrology, numerology, and a very ancient system of cards. So let's go to Robert. And so you can meet Robert. Hey, Robert, I'm so happy to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Regina. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. (laughs) You know, this is, um, I think about 20 years ago, I started using your cards, Twenty, maybe 21, 22 years ago even. And this was based on a book called by your teacher on Aileen called What's Your Card? What's which your was card? based yeah. on an ancient body of work that was brought around by this man, only Richmond back in 1893. He dared write of the unwritable up to that point in time. So can you, first of all, my friend said, oh, what, ask him, why does this, why is it so profoundly specific? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Your This work is profoundly specific. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you. You know, it's, it's such a great find when you find it and you realize, wow, this, this system is offering information that is very specific and you get a chance right away to test it and see if it actually works or not. And then you find out that it does and you're kind of blown away by it, you know. I think that's been everybody that plays with it to actually using it seriously says the same thing. And um, you're a master astrologer and I have a great respect for astrology and numerology. But there's something about adding the layer of this, honestly, Atlantean, pass through Egypt, order of the Magi knowledge that brings a specificity to forecasting that I mean, I is almost incomprehensible to me. Can you tell us how that all came together and how you became involved? I was living in a yoga community and I found out that one of the ladies there did astrological readings. And when I heard about that, it just fascinated me. I just could not, something about it just grabbed me. You know, I, I can't, I can't explain it, but I w- went out immediately to a bookstore and bought a book about astrology, just one little book that really talked about the North nodes. And I started looking up everybody's North node and reading them. And I just developed this love of it. And after a while, I started picking up other books and I began doing readings for people as part-time. It wasn't my full-time job. It was just something I was doing part-time, but Along the way, about a year or two later, a friend of ours said, you're doing astrology, right? You might find this book interesting. And she handed me a book called Sacred Symbols of the Ancients by Florence Campbell and Edith Randall. And I picked up this book and it talked about, she says, look up your card and your birthday and read about it. So I did. And I realized, wow, this is amazing because it's absolutely talking about my life, very personal details about my life. And But how could this actually work? Because there's eight birthdays that have my same card. Right. I'm like, this is, how is this possible? You know, anyway, it blew me away. And I tried to find other books on it. I couldn't find any. Um, and then, then I moved to LA. And within a week, 
a woman walked into our house who lived there and said, oh, you have that sacred symbols book? There's a guy in town teaching that, Arnie Lean. I, I had never heard of him. I called him right away and he was having a class that started and that got me started. And, uh, you know, I studied with him as much as he could. He was, he was actually in very poor health when I met him and he died within a year and a half of me meeting him. So I got as much as I could with him. And then after he died, I decided to write um, a book about it. Uh, he had written a book called What's Your Card, as you know. And I decided to write a book about the part that he never got to uh, to write about, which was the yearly spreads and so forth, you know. And that got me started. And I realized, I realized at that point that that was my life's work. I had been looking for that, like, what's my real purpose? And I realized that was it. And that, that was 30 years ago. Well, I mean, what, well, I mean, of course, for me, I always think to, I, I think of the meta view and that this is something that you may have been one to have practiced this in past times. And so you recognize it. And so you were able to embrace it because uh, the original book uh, that we spoke of by Richmond is quite complicated. I mean, I would never. <laughs> and in fact, the only person I know of that actually used it was Patrick Flanagan, who turned me on to the book. But he is a master, master math, well, was prior to his departure, master mathematician. Yes. As soon as yeah. he showed it to him, everything animistic, everything fell into place for, for him with it. I mean, that your book works. <laughs> uh, I wish I I wish I had met him because he probably because the method that's taught in that book is not the method that we're using today. Like there's nothing in the mystic test book, hardly anything in there that applies to what we're teaching today. And there's a long story behind that. It goes because this information was passed on to Arlene Richmond, who in turn passed it on to Florence Campbell and Edith Randall. And there was a transition there where these yearly spreads, as we call them, were used. But in Ar in Arnie Lean's book, I mean, I'm sorry, in the Mystic Test book, there's no mention of the of those yearly spreads no. and, and how you read them. No, but so it, you've done a great service in putting it together in such a detailed fashion where you can go year by year of your life up to the age of 100. You can um, look at any year and see yeah. what's going on and what's coming up in, in backward, the future. Backward or forward. That's right. And, and they and he called it the mystic test book because it was a you could test the system. That was the point in calling it the mystic test book. It was meant to be tested, not to be just believed in, not just not to be just you know take it as a belief and then uh, go with it. Test it out. Is mm -hmm. it does it work or not? You know, not not many systems can actually claim that. Right. That is true. And it still holds true up through your editions of it, your um, expansion yeah. of it. Yeah. So first of all, let's get into a bit of the history. So we can just bypass with what we cannot speak to, which is it's said to have been passed down from Atlantean times through the Egyptian times and on until it finally makes it to the public, right? That, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. It was published for the public finally in the late 1800s. So do you think that there was some kind of, window that was understood that was opening in consciousness that it was now okay to share with the masses that knowledge that's what only richmond said he said that he was given permission to make this public for the first time and before that the world had been in such a dark period that anybody who would have revealed this would have been killed you know 
It's so, interesting because the Seven Thunders publishing, Seven Thunders has meaning. And it goes back to, if you would like to share with us, if you remember, I don't know if you know it verbatim, the quote that's in the books regarding that the notion that the time had come. It, it's a very almost cryptic but sweet passage. Yeah, it's in, it's, uh, it's in uh, chapter 10 of Revelations where he says, um, the little the angel held a book a little book in his hand and he says you must devour this book and he devours the book and then the angel says speak not about these about this knowledge of the seven thunders but in the future you will basically I can get the book and read it to you. You have it in your hand. It's right yeah. in the very beginning. It's basically, you've done the synopsis. <laughs> it's in the very beginning. So that that's it. The point is, it's in Revelations ten. Yeah, and, and he and only Richmond said this was this was their his that was his uh, signal that it was time to make it public. So now we dive into it. So card the cards themselves have um, existed for over a thousand years and and have the same symbolism on them so let's talk about that in itself because people try to get publishers and game companies try to get fancy and change it all the time but doesn't work so let's talk about the nature of the cards themselves and that they're tied to the cosmos to the days in the year and all all of the above so yeah yeah so um only Richmond says that every major ancient civilization claims to have developed the cards. The Chinese, the Indians, uh, uh, I guess, they all say, you know, we invented the cards. And then his, then what he says is that tells you that it was somebody before all of them. And he said that was Atlantis. Now, we don't have any proof of Atlantis, really, that we can bank upon but you know it was common knowledge at a certain point that atlantis existed you know plato wrote about it and so forth so anyway um when you look at the deck of cards it's unlike any other card system and it's so funny it's been right in front of us our whole life but it's so unique from every other tarot card or any other card system you could possibly use in that it matches the calendar of the earth exactly you know, there's, okay, there's obvious some things like 52 cards, 52 weeks, 13 cards in each suit, 13 full moons every year. You know, there should be 13 moons. There should be 13 months in a year, right. each 28 days, but we have changed it. The word months comes from the word moon, month, <laughs> yeah. basically. So then you have the four suits, which are the four seasons. You have the two colors, which are day and night. And then you have, you add up the number value on every card where it's one through 10 and the jack is 11, the queen is 12 and the king is 13. And you add up every card in the deck and it comes to 365, which includes the joker. <laughs> it's 364 plus the joker. And only says the joker is five fourths. He's the four suits plus himself. So it comes to 365 and a quarter. So what happens with people that are born on December 31st, the day of the jester or joker? They are the joker. They can. They are no card. They are no card. So how do they, how can they stress out any? They, so they can be any card. 
Some of the greatest actors are are jokers. Val Kilmer, Anthony Hopkins, Ben Kingsley. Think about these guys. I mean, Anthony Hopkins, I used to think, I can never tell how old that guy is. <laughs> is he young? Is he old? Uh, <laughs> so for when they're trying to look up a year or destiny, if they can be any card, they can't. They, they can't cannot be read by this system. Anything. They can't be read by the system. Now, people have come up with uh, theories about how you can read them because they just can't accept the fact that you can't read one birthday. Yeah. But I don't have that problem. I just let them go. I've done astrology readings for them, you know, but I don't do any card readings for jokers. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't blame you with the system. So here we have um, a system that's bas basically as the Atlanteans understood and the higher Egyptian cultures understood the entire universe, all bodies, all material reality is based on mathematics and geometry and then of course there's the overriding template of thought but it's it's really based solely upon earth nowhere mm -hmm. else in the universe just planet earth yeah because it matches our cycles yeah. but it won't it won't work on mars yeah. yeah it won't it won't work on any other planet or any other galaxy no uh, it's earth centric yeah but and we we are the ones that have five fingers on each hand. Yep. We have five visible planets plus the sun and moon, which makes seven. We have seven holes in our head. We have nine holes in our body. These are all connected. Everything's connected. Everything about living here on this planet at this time is embodied in the cards and embodied in basic uh, spiritual numerology, you might say. Yes. So now that we understand that, Let's go into the quality of some of the cards themselves. For example, um, the suits and the seasons and kind of what that generally represents. And then we'll go into the cards, which also have numeric value, a king being third. Sure, sure, right. sure, sure, sure. So the suits are interesting. Um, you know, there's hearts, clubs, diamonds, and spades. Hearts is a spring. It represents childhood. It represents uh, relationships. Because in childhood, you're meant to be surrounded by love, by family. So it's all that. And if you know any hard people, they are so involved in family drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the family. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. I mean, uh, when you're another suit, you you look at them and you go, you guys are crazy. You know, <laughs> what's all what's with, with a family? I, I do a family in California. The father was a king of hearts, the wife was a four of hearts. And they had three daughters, they were all hearts, seven, eight, and nine of hearts. And I thought, wow. And this is interesting because there's only 12% of the birthdays are hearts. So how somehow they all ended up together when there's so few hearts birthdays, you know? So uh so hearts are all about love and about relationships, about feelings, uh, and they're really strongly connected to family and home. Then you go to the clubs. Clubs are the are people in school age. So you're in the house and now they put you in school. So now you're a club. And if you're a club like you are, you're a triple club. And if you have a kid, you can't wait until the kid can start talking. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I want to have a conversation with my oh, kid. Boy. And my son and my whole family are clubs. Everyone in my family 
including uh-huh. my son, including my son's father, we're all clubs. And it's true. And my when my son started talking, it was like, yes. And he wanted to know pretty profound things for a wee one. And so we had great conversations throughout his young life. Yeah. And, and clubs are all about knowledge. They're about learning. They're about, I mean, they're the ones that love to read books more than everybody else. Um, they are all about details. They can pick out little details about things that other people miss, you know, but mostly it's about communication with clubs. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And then you move to diamonds. Diamonds represent fall. That's the harvest season. Diamonds are all about value. They're about money and about the value of things and the value of themselves as well. They're looking for value in themselves in life as much as they're looking for it in the world. Um, they're the adults of the deck. If you have a diamond child, they don't like to be treated like a baby. Like they want you to treat them like an adult. They hang out with adults with older kids. Diamond kids will hang out with older kids. Um, then you come to spades. Spades are the workers of the deck of the deck. And this is the suit of wisdom. So spades, no matter what uh number they are, they are born with a certain amount of wisdom. Like they just know stuff. They just know stuff. But they really get they're really into work. That all the workaholic birthdays are spades, you know. All, all the workaholic birthdays are spades. Eight of spades, ten of spades. All the spades, though, can be workaholics, you know, because, you know, like my wife is a is a king of clubs, but but her ruling card is a spade and all of her karma cards are spades and she cannot stop. <laughs> she just can't stop. She can't stop. She, if she's she doesn't have to work, but she has to work. You know what I mean? She doesn't need to work. She doesn't need the money, but she just has to always be really busy. So you take a diamond, you take a heart club diamond spade and put them in in a room and show them a beautiful painting. And the heart will go, oh, I can just feel the love in that painting, the love that was put into that painting. And I'm getting I'm getting that. And the, 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 the club is saying, I'm getting what the uh, what the painter was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> or they think they are. <laughs> no, well, that's how they look at it. You know, I, I'm getting the message here yeah. that this is all about. And the diamond goes, I wonder what, how much that thing cost. <laughs> I would never pay that much for that painting. And the spade is going, wow, look at all the detail that went in and the work that went into making that painting. That's, that's like a basic thing. Now, everybody who's listening should know that you're not just one card. You are your birth card, which we're talking about. But you could also be two suits or even three suits in some cases. You know, you could be a, a diamond and a spade or a diamond and a club. So you may have multiples of these influences in your life. Okay, so now let's go to the cards themselves and what the cards originally meant. What did the king and the king, everything about the symbology in the beard, symbolism in the beard and everything, what does the king represent? Well, the king is the king is the master of his suit. Whether it's a man or a woman, the king is the one who has mastered that particular area of life. King of Hearts is called the father card. If you're married to a king of hearts, they're, they're, uh, you're, it's going to be their way or the highway, okay, uh, about the kids, about the house, how things are run, okay? And it could be a woman or a man. Yeah, um, makes sense. King of clubs is a master of knowledge. 
You know, I love king of clubs, uh, my wife's king of clubs, but I love them because they're honest and they're great communicators. Uh, and they will never compromise their truth for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that about them. They're mm -hmm. very independent, you might say, but they do love being married, which is an interesting combination. You know, some, some cars are very independent and they're never going to really get married. It's not going to happen. But these guys, they love relationship. So they have a lot to be admired. They're not perfect, but they have a lot to be admired. Then you go to the King of Diamonds, the only one-eyed king. All about acquisition. Oh, one-eyed? The one-eyed king. There's three one-eyed cards in the deck. And we'll talk about the other ones if you want. But the King of Diamonds is a one-eyed king. So they see things their way and have a hard time seeing it from other points of view seeing other people's point of view about things. And they're generally about acquisition. They really know about business. They know about uh, the value of things. They're very, very strong. It's a very strong king. I mean, there's women that are king of, you know, Angelina Jolie, uh, uh, Faye Dunaway, you know, king of diamonds. Uh, very, very strong. You know, uh, who was it? Sharon Stone, right? She used to say, Men complain about women faking orgasms, but men can fake whole relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that quote. <laughs> Everyone's a, that, laugh out of it. That's a king of diamonds talking to you there. Yeah. <laughs> you see. It's very interesting. So, you know, these kings are the masters of their suit. And so they generally assume a, a position of authority in life. Uh, I, they often just go right into it without anybody prompting them. You know, I have a good friend. She has a, a daughter. And when she was, she's a king of clubs. And when she was six years old, she walked in. Uh, she, her, the mother walked in and she was teaching a class to all of her friends. She had all of her friends in her room and she was teaching them something. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it just, it just happens. Right. You know, for for right. kings. Okay. And, so what, oh, do we do the spades? King of uh, yeah, yeah, we talked about, oh, King of Spades. Yeah. King of Spades is the the most powerful card in the whole deck. Uh, it is uh, Tiger Woods married one. Now he knows. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one birthday of that card, too. You know, there's only one King of Spades. Birthday? There's only one January 1st. There's only one Queen of Spades. There's only one Ace of Hearts and only one Two of Hearts birthday. These are the most rare cards in the deck. Oh, Whereas there's there's 12 King of Clubs birthdays. Wow. There's there's 12 Ace of Diamonds, 12 Two of Diamonds, and 12 Queen of Clubs birthdays. Okay. So uh, when you look at a King of Spades and Queen of Spades, you're looking at a card you won't run into very often. You know, so King of Spades is the very, very strong Nobody can influence them. Nobody can tell them what they should do. They can't be bribed. You know, there's just like they live their own life. But it's very interesting because here they are their most powerful king. But because their ruling card is a five, their ruling card is a five of clubs, they often run away from take having to take responsibility. They don't want to often don't want to jump into that king role. They want to just have a life where they just run around and have fun. Mm -hmm. It's common for King of Spades people, especially the guys, you know, yeah. they just, it's funny. I've met King of Spades guys and they find out they're a King of Spades 
And they changed their name to something like Leo or something. It's very interesting. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, we get it. We get it. We get it. We get the big boss. We get it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Maybe that's best left alone. So let's talk about um, let's talk about the queens now. Queens are the mothers of the deck. Um, no matter what a queen is doing, and you have a queen as one of your cards, queen mm -hmm. of clubs, it's one of your cards. Um, like I'm a queen of diamonds. And if you're a queen, the work you're doing is somehow nurturing and mothering people on some level. The queen of clubs would nurture with knowledge. The queen of diamonds with higher values. The queen mm -hmm. of hearts with love. And the queen of spades with work ethic, right? Right. Queen of spades can be very, very hard-driving workers, and they expect others around them to be the same, okay? So the queens are also the um, – they're 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 connected to the four Marys, I think it is, or something like that. I, I don't remember exactly. It's in one of the editions of the mist of the uh, sacred symbols of the of the ancients. Uh, they talk about which you know Martha, Mary, and these queens represent. Queen of Clubs is definitely Mother Mary, and Jack of Hearts is Jesus. Uh, and Queen of Clubs people have a Jack of Hearts as a lifetime challenge card, so they often will lose a child. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of Queen of Clubs women lose a child at some point. My mother was a Queen of Clubs, and we lost a younger brother mm -hmm. when he was three years old. Mm -hmm. it, was it was devastating. But that's the karma that comes with that birthday, you know, those birthdays. Thank you. Let's yeah. go to the, the um, Jack, because at one time it was, as I understand from the old book, it was once upon a time more uh, a position as a knight, but became a knave. Can you explain what that means and what the jack means in the deck in general? Well, you know, the tarot has an extra card in there, right? They have the knight and then they have the knave. So uh, it's not it's not really connected to this system. Okay. Uh, it, it's taken off in a new direction. Okay. And then they, then they threw the major arcana in there and all kinds of other stuff. So... Anyway, getting back to the Jack. So the Jack is part of the royal family, has the privileges of the royal family, but none of the responsibility. <laughs> so <laughs> he or like she fun kid. <laughs> he or she are there left to play, basically. You know, Jacks just want to have fun, right? Um, and so I can often pick out Jacks out of a crowd because they have a sneaky little smile on their face. When they smile, it's like, I can just tell. They're used to smiling a lot and looking at life as like a game, you know, and they're really creative. Uh, some Jacks are sort of destined to be famous artists. Um, I mean, and this is true for all the Jacks, the creativity is there, which can be used or abused, of course. So the Jacks can be the biggest liars in the deck, you know, they can be known for that. I mean, Jack of Clubs has a photographic memory usually, so they can re remember every everything they told everybody, so they can be very effective liars if they want to be. Mm -hmm. it's, not that, it's not that they have to be. And every Jack has a high side, and that is like it's a card of initiation to a higher level. So the Jack is meant to, to evolve into the king. So a Jack in its highest expression evolves to a higher level. Uh, I was thinking about Oprah Winfrey, who's a jack of clubs, you know, and she kind of evolved by being this vehicle like yourself that brings knowledge to people, 
higher knowledge to people. That's been she's been operating out of the high side of her card for that. I'm not saying she's perfect in every way, but that's something that she's done consciously or unconsciously in her life. Mm-hmm. Jack of Hearts though is different than all the other jacks because this is the G- the Jesus card. It's the card of sacrifice. It sits in the center of the cross. If you look at the cards in their grand solar array, which I can show you if you want, but I have to be able to share my screen. Uh, the Jack of Hearts sits in the very center as the cross uh, of a cross in this whole alignment of cards. So it, it it's different than the other Jacks. They can be tricky like the other Jacks, but ten, they tend to be very devoted to friends and family and they'll make sacrifices on behalf of those who they love. So, and then the rest are kind of face value number cards, each that has its own very, very specific meaning. But because people are going to be tempted and probably go ahead and pick up the books and start going into that. And because I want to move into the actual purpose of learning what the value of learning what our birth card is, like you say, there are 12. I think you said 12 queen of hearts, for example. Queen of clubs, queen of clubs. clubs, I mean, there are some that are very prolific and others that are very rare. And so what would make um, a queen of clubs when there are 12 of them born on one day any different than one born on another day if you all share the same card? So let's get into that. Sure, sure. Well, What knowledge it brings about yourself to you, the birth card itself? Well, um, I tend to like when I teach people, I have them look up the birth and the ruling card together because you'll find that some people identify more with their ruling card at certain points in their life than their birth card. You know, well, I mean, here you are a six of clubs and a ten of clubs, right? So are you being a six of clubs more today or are you being a a six of clubs or a ten or a queen? Like, where are you operating out of? You have all three of those Mm -hmm. within you. And most people have two cards. They have a birth card and a ruling card. Except Leos, there's all kinds of little rules. Leos are a double of their birth card. So they're oh. like the most dramatic version. <laughs> I love watching Leos because if you want to know about a birth card, watch a Leo version of that card if you can find one, because they're going to be the most dramatic out there in in your face version of it that you can go, yeah, I get it. You know, I get the card because there's just one card. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. So there are 12 people on a given day, say, with with the queen of clubs. And that's true of many other cl- uh, others as well. C- clubs are more common. Hearts are less common. So hearts and spades are equally spades. less common. Yeah. Less common. Okay. So diamonds and clubs are the dominant, you know, most, uh, in that's the correct. most, most common birthdays. Yes. Most common. So what makes you different from anyone else born without that has that birth card? Well, you're talking about like you could read a description of your card in my book, for example, the Love Cards book, and you would go, "Yeah, that that fits me." Okay, but then there's twelve other birthdays, eleven other birthdays that have the same card. Right. How is that? How is that possible? Well, it just is. Okay, now there is a differentiate differentiation because there's a ruling card which adds another level, another layer. Most birthdays have a separate ruling card, which gives you another card to look at. 
And as I said earlier, some people identify more with the ruling card. I've, I've, I've ran into people, I'll tell them about their birth card, they go, I don't know if that fits me really. And then I'll tell them about the ruling card, they go, yeah, that's definitely me. So it's like we sort of choose to identify on some level with cards at different times in different amounts. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But, but you know, everybody's karma, like you can have similar traits but your your karma is individual to you. Like what you came into this lifetime to learn, to work on is specifically you. Now I can, knowing the birth card of somebody, I can sort of forecast and sort of identify what some of the major themes will be, but the specifics of it will be unique because you have your own series of past lives and influences that you brought with you into this lifetime. Does that help? It does. So one of the questions that my friends and I, we've been talking about this and using the books behind the scenes, of course, um, is the notion, in fact, I just did a a talk at the Guy Sphere on free will, the nature of free will, which is a very complex subject. So how do you describe free will within this? When you look at the year by year layouts and say, oh my God, how can that be so precise? Yes, yes, it's very interesting. So, you know, I've been I've been toying with this whole notion of free will for a long time in my own mind, and I, I I'm finding that m- more and more that things we do we do not choose to do. We're not really consciously choosing. We think we are, <laughs> but but I'll give you an example. Just as, just as the one example is like attraction. Nobody can control who they're attracted to. Absolutely. You, I could I could hook somebody up with the perfect person. Here you are, best card you got. No go, ah, not interested. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it it's like that. I, I find that's true in a lot of areas that there's not really there's a there's more unconscious going on than there is conscious. And that's what's really driving the show. That's what's really leading the way. So you look at a, a person's cards. And you can tell what a lot of their karma is, like mm-hmm. what they're definitely going to have to go through and learn. Now, you can take, let's say, a somebody on a given birthday, take five people of the same birthday. They're all going to have different degrees of the different aspects of that card. Some will have this aspect emphasized more. Some will have this other aspect emphasized more. So there's room for variety there. The issues will be there for each person. But one person will have an emphasis more on one part of it, while the other person has an emphasis on the other part of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in fact, in your book, you wrote a a comment that um, I thought was very appropriate. It's when you're going through life and trying to navigate, most of us, we don't come with an instruction manual. Um, We can drive in the dark, just kind of try to feel our way around and bump into things and react. Or we can turn some headlights on <laughs> and kind of get a little bit of lay of the land. To yeah, and see and see the bumps coming before they hit, exactly. before they get to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. and that's fair enough. And that's really what you're talking about. So, what kind of predictive work can you do with this? With pretty well, good- yeah. Well, I can I can tell a, a person. You know, uh, in the book, they can learn to do this themselves. Of course, you can tell when there's going to be a difficult period. Now, you may not be able to tell exactly what is going to be difficult about it. I remember once I had a nine of spades, which is considered a scary card, in the Saturn 
period, okay, which is the hardest period of the year. And I had never worried about a card before uh, for that. <laughs> and But then I was like, oh, what's this going to be? Because this can be a death of somebody. It can be um, uh, your own death. You know, it's considered like a, a really, when it's in Saturn, it's going to be an ending that you do not like. The ending of something that you definitely did not want to let go of or, or have end on you. And, you know, it could be anything. Uh, so I went into the period thinking, you know, oh, is my mom going to die or is my dog going to die or what, you know. And it ended up on the first day of that period, I got a letter from the IRS. <laughs> And it was all about money. It wasn't anything about it was. And, but it, what it what it came down to, though, as I went through the period and went through this, because it was a it was real shocking to me that this showed up. Um, I discovered that I had uh, I, I had created like an image of myself where I would always have more money every month than I had the previous month. And I was attached to it and didn't even know it. And that's what I had to let go of. That's where the pain and suffering came from, was my attachment to the idea that each month I would have more money than I had the previous month. That sounds stupid. It sounds simple. No, not really. It's part of your self-identity. But it was big for me at the time. And once I let that go, it was done. It was over, you know. And and I still lost the money. There was money lost to the IRS. I mean, given, given to the IRS. That I, you can't stop that with a nine. You can't stop that kind of stuff. It's going to happen. But I was okay with it at that point. I reached a point of where I was accepting of what was going on. And I was able to just move forward with that, knowing, you know, and when you let go, when you have a nine like that, when you let go, really let go internally, I'm talking about, all of a sudden you get the, the benefit of the nine, which is feeling like you're in exactly the right place at the right time. And that the universe is all connected and you're just right where you need to be. Everything just like looks perfect then after that. And that's what happened. Because in the end, there is nothing we're not going to let go of. <laughs> it's all going to be let go of in one way or another. At some I, I, I tell clients that all, all the time. Uh, no <laughs> one's getting out of here alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We all have to let go. So let's get used to it in doses. <laughs> yeah. And even spiritual teachers, they say that, you know, death is the final the final let go and it's your final chance to uh to wake up and, and be awake you know so a lot of people of course watching this a high percentage of the people watching this right now are probably women and women are vested in relationships um generally to a larger extent than a lot of men are not always of course so what about relationships because I don't know if you still do readings for people, but you, I know you had developed software at one point so people could interpret the compatibilities and so forth. Is that something, by the way, is that something you still do? Or you kind oh, of? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did a reading today, actually, earlier today. Oh, wow. Okay. And Good. I do, uh, I did five last week, I think, or the week before last. Oh, my uh, gosh. All right. So you're still yeah. active in this. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So when you're doing, looking at relationships, I will tell you, I don't think I would get involved in one without looking that up again. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Because when you make a mistake and then you see it there in the cards, you go, 
I better watch these cars next time. <laughs> you know? yeah, well, that's exactly how I feel about it. And it doesn't it doesn't tell everything because one thing we don't get from the cards is the level of that individual soul spiritual development. So they can yes, ask but you, but you can but you can tell what the potential is. Like you can see the potential good and bad in each card. Some cards should never get married. Some cards are unmarriageable and uncommittable, and you can know that ahead of time. Some are likely to be players constantly and they just can't stop themselves. They try as the best they can. They just have to be a player, you know. Uh, yeah, a friend so of mine has uh, just suffered a broken heart after kind of holding out for a jack. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not all jacks are bad. I think it was jack of hearts. Jack of Hearts. Well, that's usually I, a pretty I marriageable could, card. I could be I could be wrong on that, but it was the one that is not. It says they're a player. Which jack oh well, that would be a Jack of Spades or a Jack okay. of Diamonds. Yeah, one of okay, those. Yeah. And finally gave up. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I had a reading recently with a woman, and I'm like, I said, did something bad happen back this six months ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found out he was texting some other women. And I caught him and I'm like, and then I, I told her, her, you know, I had his birthday. And I says, do you know you're dating Tiger Woods? <laughs> <laughs> Same card as Tiger Woods. <laughs> do you see that? That's what you got. Okay. You know, <laughs> now she's so, I mean, she was so attracted to him. Like there was something important there. Like I would never tell a client, oh, you shouldn't date somebody. Uh, I'll just tell them what this person is 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 capable of and have them look at it but they have to make the decision because if you're really attracted to somebody even if they're a horrible person for relationships there's something important to learn there you know and you have to follow your heart i think it's my at least my that's my philosophy yeah. like you have to be willing to follow your heart if you're going to learn anything about yourself because if you really really attract to somebody there's something they have to teach you about yourself something i agree with that so i would say heart first card second but check the card so you know what you but are. the cards will show you if you look like if you're whoever you're most attracted to and then you look up their card it'll show you where you are like you know i i'll have a client that she's attracted to a completely unmarriageable guy right and it's obvious you're not ready for a relationship yet that's why you picked him he's living in europe and you're over here in california you know Obviously, you, you don't feel like you're ready to have a relationship. Mm -hmm. So it kind of it kind of helps the client realize, you know, where they're at in this progress. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's it's really good by reflection. So I like this. You can't control who you're attracted to anyway. So I just tell my I suggest my clients just look at who you are attracted to uh, for information about where you're at and what's coming next for you. It is interesting because there's a particular card that I find um, for the people that I'm really close to and really enjoy the company of in life are all the same card. <laughs> so it's very consistent there. You start seeing kind of patterns pop up of who you just feel really good around and relaxed around or who you feel tense around. So I think it, it has a lot of beauty for relationships and the same thing for career uh, anything having to do with financial endeavors, there are times to wait and there are times to kind of hit the pedal. 
That's absolutely right. Yeah, you say it exactly like I would say it. You know, it's this this can tell you when when to expand and when to slow down or like take a break or, you know, just cool off a little bit. Because, you know, you have good money cards like the eight of diamonds and ten of diamonds showing up in Jupiter. That's when you should really be pushing out there with what what you're offering the world because it's going to pay off in a big way, you know? Yeah. And then other times you might have a, you, oh, well, I see some financial loss. Well, you know, you might want to be mindful of your spending for a while, you know, pull back a little bit, like get on a budget, something like that. It's yeah. like when Saturn's going through your house of money, same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. If transit Saturn is going through your second house, you know, you're probably going to want to have to tighten the the, bu- the buckle a little bit on your yeah. spending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so it can also give you an idea big time of family dynamics. You know, there's constellation therapy and all that, all that's one, all of it's wonderful. I think it really helps to have an overlay of the cards in that dynamic. Uh, like I said, in my family, for example, we're all clubs, we're all pretty compatible, low intensity, the way the cards lay out, you have attraction, intensity and compatibility. And so in general, my family, we all get along well. There's no fighting, no arguing. We understand each other well, very well. That's nice. That's yeah, very we're nice. We're not, not many people have that, you know. Usually family get-togethers are the most dreaded thing there is. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not in our family. We really enjoy it. So family dynamics, really good for that. But one thing I wanted to talk about, because today is just a primer, I want to come back and talk about some other things in detail at a uh, later date. And I'm also going to have you on Gaia where we're going to get into some things, but I want to tiptoe into it today, the world situation. Um, I mean, the economy, there's so much to look at, but let's just go right now with some of the world leaders who are from most of our vantage points looking a little concerning. <laughs> um, the, the situations are concerning and the leaders that go along with it, maybe, maybe not. So can you go ahead and give us a kind of a sketch of what you're seeing among some of the main players, such as Biden and Putin and and uh, whoever else you choose to put into the mix? Maybe well, what, what I find fascinating right now is the fact that Putin, Zelensky, and Xi Ping. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to say his name, honestly. I just say Xi. <laughs> yeah. They're they're all two of diamonds. All of them? All of them. Okay, all wait. Three. Okay. That's weird. And, now tell me the implication of this. Well, I'll tell you in a second here. So um let's see, Xi Ping is of Gemini. Uh Zelensky is a is a uh, Aquarius and Putin is a Libra. So they're all air signs too. So one thing about this is two of diamonds is known to be, uh, I don't want to insult anybody, but they have an issue with being honest. Okay. They have two things in there built into their karmic pattern that make it very easy for them to lie about everything. So anything out of Putin's mouth or Jeeping is complete lie. It's but all Zelensky. Zelensky too. He, but he's, he's like, He's being the good guy right now. He wasn't such a good guy before this, by the way. I mean, if you look in the past, right. there's a lot of corruption in his government and yep. things too. But now he's being forecast as a or put out there as a good guy, and we're all behind him and all that, which is fine. You know, it's fine. But what's cool about that is that Zelensky knows exactly what Putin's doing and why he's doing it because he's the same card. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing, and he'll say, you know. 
Putin's saying this, but this is the truth. You know, it's kind of cool in that way. I think that's kind of cool. Um, Biden is a, is a uh, king of hearts and a four of clubs. And it turns out that the four of clubs is in a moon position to the two of diamonds. So he doesn't, he wouldn't do well competing with any of these three. Okay. He's doing fine as long as he keeps his distance from them. But the closer he gets to them, the more he's going to go their way in some fashion. And you know that that Biden is there. There, it's it's becoming obvious that he and his son have made business deals and money from China and oh, so yeah. forth. And so you know, it's 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 coming it's coming to light. Let's say. Yep. Uh, Trump. I don't like Trump. Uh, I, I want to say that right up front. I don't like him because he's just he's like such a liar. He's a three of diamonds. Um, but wait a minute, he, you just tossed that away. He's the three of diamonds. Are three of diamonds liars too? Th- they can be. All threes can be big liars. Okay. Because <laughs> they're really cre- all the creative cards, the jacks and the and the threes, the ones that are super creative are the ones that make up stories. Okay. They okay. can make up stories very easy. Easy to come up with something plausible. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's unlike it's completely unlike your card. Six of clubs. You're all about honesty. Six is of yeah. sixes are all about responsibility. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the threes, three of diamonds and Trump. But the one thing that Trump had going for him in the international stage was that all these two of diamonds were moon to him. So he has the power with them. That's one thing that he had going. Uh, interesting. His card, Trump, yeah. their card, no pun intended. So now, where does this leave Biden? Well, with- because you, know, you said Trump's, you Trump said doesn't have cards? good cards. Trump's not going to do much this but year. I mean, not- didn't you say Biden also has an ace of hearts, which is the non one that won't? No, he's a king of hearts uh, a and, he's of a four, hearts. and a four of clubs. King of hearts. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, he's a Scorpio king of hearts, actually. He's a double four. So he's all about control and he's a king of hearts. And that's why he gets touchy feely with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, <laughs> they have they have to remind him, you know. Was, Keep your hands on the your hands girls. in your pocket, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joe. <laughs> he just can't stop himself. He's you know he's too old now to change. So yeah, yeah, what you yeah do? I mean, really, when you look at the whole cast of characters, uh, who's I mean, of the people that are coming up, and we don't even know exactly. We know Trump's going to try to run again, but you say his cards aren't good and his astrology is not good for that. Is there anyone out there who looks kind of like their cards are rising? Well, uh, absolutely. Um, the governor of Florida, he's got good cards. Well, that's what I was wondering, because he's the most prominent person po- po- yeah. right now. I, I, I haven't looked ahead really to see. Um, I haven't looked at it. I don't usually do that until we get a little closer mm-hmm. to the election. He hasn't even formally announced he's running. Right. He hasn't even announced that, but I, I'm pretty sure he will. I, I don't. You know, again, I haven't really looked into it. I, I don't want to comment too much about it because yeah, sure. I haven't really looked into it in depth yet. But I like him. I like him because I have a I used, I used to have a neighbor that was his birthday and I really liked him. Such an he was very honest and very he had he had standards. He had moral standards. You know, Virgo Virgos are all about perfection. And, uh, you know, th- they're always trying to, like, improve things. You know, I'm not saying they're perfect or anything, but they at least have that going for them. What what card is he? Is he's a he's a ten of clubs and an eight of diamonds. Oh, okay. Now those cards are in the crown line, so you know he was destined to 
to rise up to a high level in his lifetime. And I don't think he's done rising up. I think he's got a lot more rising up to go. Interesting. Well, that looks at the U.S. Do you, does, okay, so you got two liars, three, three liars. You well, know. you know, here's the thing that I think that I'm becoming much more aware of this. Um, this is, this, you can call this the age of corruption, the age of the thief, the age of greed, of fraud. That's what ran right now. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, it's sure. there. This whole bailout of this bank in California, yep. why they bailed it out, why we, the taxpayers, are paying for it, why didn't it get attention, why wasn't there discussion about it, more right. discussion before it happened. We, you know, This is going on every single day in our world, and really, it's beyond our control. We, You and I have nothing to do with it. I mean, we can do our, we can put out information, we can put out some objective thought about it, and so forth. But in the ultimately, we don't have any control in that arena. No, we don't. But what about okay? So then you have Credit Suisse, you know, and they made it sound like, well, the other bank's buying them out. Well, the other bank was bailed out to the tune of two hundred and fifty billion by the Swiss government. So even Credit Suisse has been bailed out. So well, now who's calling the shots? Who's deciding who gets bailed out? Exactly. Who's, and like you know, the SVB, uh, the bank in yes. California, the top ten donor people that have money in the bank all got bailed out it was 10 people that yep. had over 14 billion dollars in the they got bailed out who decided same that same See? thing over and over so and what, do but we, what do you do what, but what do you do well what i'm wondering right now and a lot of people are wondering because in some of the astrology it's certainly appearing that april and into may could start getting pretty pretty shifty um, and shaky. Is there any way using the card system to tell if we're going to, at en mass, have a sort of a, a greater slide economically versus um, an uptick? Well, there's um, there's people that have studied, like they take the birth of the United States, July right. 4, 1776, and you can run you can run cards on that right now for the for the year. And there seems to be some correlation there. It's not something that I focus on personally. Um, I'm more into individuals uh, and right, their that's karma. Why I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. So you have to have a birthday right. uh, for anything. So, you know, I've played around with sport teams. Um, I've done work with corporations in the past, you know, helping people decide when to incorporate and doing business relationships and things of that nature, helping within the corporate area. And it's very effective there, by the way. The cards yeah. are very effective in relationships. Oh, my God. It's it's amazing uh, what you can do. Just knowing the birthdays, you can tell the whole dynamic of everybody who works together, who's having a hard time, who's, who's really the boss, so forth and so on. It's very powerful. Um, but, you know, there is no, like, as far as I know, there's no, like, card for the year. That's right. for everybody. Right. Oh, we're going to come into a good year because it's going to be a good card yeah. this year. Yeah. I don't know that. So we can just look around at the headlines and what's not making the headlines, what's being buried and figure it out for ourselves. I mean, we're in a very slippery period of time economically. I mean, everything. Well, you know, the corruption is everywhere. You can yeah. just count on it. Um, whether the U.S. government will default, I don't think so, but it's always a possibility. So, you know, if you have money and you want to keep it safe, you know, I would be in, 
I'd be in T bells right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're doing well. So, 5%. what about our relationship with China, considering the two characters at the top? Well, there's a guy on YouTube that I like a lot. His name is Peter Zehan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I Z- have heard of him. And Z e i h a n. Okay. I think okay. he's pronounced Zane actually, but he's he's nailed it. He he's a geopoliticist. Politicist. He he knows everything about China and everybody else. And China is they don't have any power right now, uh, and Russia doesn't have any power. It's just a matter of time. Both those are, they're both going down the toilet pretty quick. <laughs> so what happened? What happened? Um, here we have a time back where China looked like it was absolutely going to be the new superpower. I mean, the, all of the predictions were it was on its way there. Certainly, they're an industrious nation. Um, but everything yeah. I read, they made an interesting for a long, uh, long view type of culture how some of these decisions on an economic level could have been made is beyond me with ghost cities and buildings collapsing and empty whole ghost. Well, that's the, the entire system in, in China is, is so corrupt. It's more corrupt than ours. Okay. Everybody is getting paid. Like you, you buy yourself into a position like a, a mayor or a town. Right. It's all, it's all bought and sold, mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately it's under the power of, of, of the communist party which is Xi Jinping, right? right? It's ultimately all there. And so he can just kick you out, take your money. You could be a big business. So he could just take your business and throw you away at a, at a heartbeat, you know, but it's so corrupt that, and in Russia too, you know, like Russia, they were like, the guys were selling, they were selling, the guys in the army were selling the weapons, before they got to the battlefield. Yes, I read that. <laughs> you know, that you kind of stuff. Is... <laughs> so China is similarly like that. And see, they, they grew so fast. They grew so fast so sh- in such a short period of time. But all that growth was based on the U.S. protecting all the shipping lanes and giving them access to the markets. It was all based on that. So now we're pulling back from that. And now China's got some big problems. Yes, we, we, took, the- we, we took away all their chips. You know, I have I, I saw a video of this guy who lived in China for a long time. And he said, you know, he says, let me give you an example. So China, um, they could make ballpoint pins, but they could not figure out how to make the ball point. Hmm. The, the ball that's in the, the ballpoint ball. pin. Right. So the Chinese government issued an edict. This is about 10 years ago. Make a ball for the ballpoint pen so we don't have to import these anymore. It took them six or seven years to do that. Wow. Okay. I think they figured that to figure that out on their own. Okay. Well, one thing I've heard they're figuring out is because of the shipping issues and so forth, the shipping lanes you spoke of earlier, and because of all the breakdowns um, during COVID showed the vulnerability of systems is uh, my understanding is they're starting to invest in a fairly large projects anyway, you know, hundreds of millions of dollar factories and such in Mexico, so they can continue servicing, whether it's furniture or whatever their their the factory, you know, produces, so they can continue serving the American consumer without having uh, to Yeah. I, I haven't heard of that, but yeah. you've heard you've heard of the Belt and Road Initiative, right? 
No. Well, I don't think so. Oh, it's, well, it's, it's the hugest thing. It's the, it's the thing that they've been doing for the past five years. They've been going all over the world and giving countries a lot of money, paying off the politicians. I'm talking billions of dollars in order to get like rights to the ports. This is in Australia. This is in India, India and other countries. And, and they constructed these things really crappily like they normally do. Uh, you know, they, they don't make things very well. Mm-hmm. And they have, and they've, they've paid off people all over the world while they had the money trying to get some influence because they really wanted to take over. They wanted to take over the U.S. They wanted to, you know, be in control. Uh, but it's all coming to light now how bad it is. And it's not really working. It's, they're not going to, they're not going to be able to do it. So there's, if you listen to Peter Zane, you'll find out there's really nothing to be concerned about as far as China goes. Okay. Yeah. And that's speaking also from an American kind of centric point of view. I get that. At large, just all of the money spent, all of the hype, just the whole notion of jacking up oil prices, blaming it on the Ukraine situation. And then even when I believe it (laughs) has the highest profits historically ever it's it's all greed. It's It's all all people. It's all people being paid off. It's it's just corruption everywhere. It is, and people are suffering. Real people, all yeah, of they, people they don't care about us. Trust me. Uh, no. you know. So there's right now. I guess we just have to wait for the period of collapse. Um, it, greed doesn't go away on its own. People who have their little greedy fingers out don't voluntarily loosen their grip. No, so, no, and you know, I mean, even when we see we see bad things happening, but you'll see that well, they get saved. You know who? Yeah. Like the powers that be. I mean, look at Sam Bankman Freed. He's a great example. Okay. I did a I did a whole thing about him on YouTube and on uh Instagram. So what's his card? He, he has is, to have a card. He's a he's a uh a Pisces, let's see, Pisces four of spades. Yes. So he, he's a four of spades and a five of hearts. So you know that's a divorce card. <laughs> He's got really good cards right now. Like he may, he may skate through this without getting really touch. You know why? Well, why? Why would he? How could he possibly do that? Because he gave so much money to politicians, both on both sides of the aisle. He gave so much money to them that they're sort of beholding to him, and he's, you know. But one of his cards would show him to to turn out into. Such a con man. Well, the four spades level. is a card that has a, a poverty mentality. And uh, poverty mentality creates greed and okay. uh, will will, will in, uh, inspire people to do illegal things to make money. You know, or the common the common person who's a four spades will easily fall into a get rich quick scheme that somebody offers them, for example. Because that's another symptom of a poverty mentality mm-hmm. is that you fall for these get rich quit things, thinking wow. that's going to get you out of your out of your situation where that you feel like you don't have enough. Yeah. But a four spades is born feeling like that we don't I don't have enough. Okay, and that's because okay. they have the ace of diamonds as their Saturn card. That's where it is in the cards. Anyway. Okay. Okay, well, that makes sense then. Well, listen, we're out of time, but um, I just love chatting with you. And I want to come back and speak in some more detail about certainly some some relationship and family dynamics, if you don't mind in the future. Oh, and we'll be great. 
Yeah, we'll open up some of that when we get together at Gaia as well in um, in May. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just I I want to thank you for your books. I've got them sitting right here. This one has been used so much that she has, I think, Saran wrap now all over her. To hold those are those are the older editions too. We those have newer editions. Early two thousands that I yeah. Bought. Yeah, we have newer editions of both of those now. Okay, yeah. very good. So they're on Seven Thunders Publishing or Amazon. and Amazon, uh, it's The Cards of Your Destiny is the first book, and yeah. Love Cards is the second book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. I've been so excited to talk to you because I, I really resonate with the depth of the cards themselves as described by some of the masters of the past. And I can, I can see why it may have been something that needed to stay underground until humanity could at least wake up a little bit. And I yes. think we're in the process of waking up a little bit. Yeah, you would have been burned at the cross, you know, as being a witch or something if you had practiced oh, yeah. this. <laughs> I think I've been there, actually. So, <laughs> <Okey doke. laughs> so again, Robert, thank you so much uh, for taking the time, and I'll be seeing you very soon. Thanks, Regina. To dive into this, um, uh, there's a website called knowyourdestiny.com, which will take any beginner and help you navigate through how to use the cards. But it's really good to have a copy of at least the two books we talked about just a moment ago uh, at your side. I'm seriously, I put them down for a few years and I picked them back up and looked at what had happened thinking, oh, why didn't I pay attention? Why didn't I keep these going? So I can't recommend them highly enough. They're just a wonderful guide. Um, The headlights that we talked about a little bit ago to help navigate through all aspects of life. So until next time, thank you for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com.